Randy Orton ended the show by punting Ric Flair. Interesting twist. <laughs> My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is the LEP Radio Wrestling Headlines Raw review on the Lots of Pace slash Wrestling Headlines YouTube channel. Coming out live on YouTube and also coming out on podcast form later, uh, normally within the hour show. Uh, and I need to get that up. Warnings I, I'm flipping hot <laughs> for a British person, it being this temperature is too much for me. That I'm not used to it. And I've got lights on as well, so it's doubly worse. Bright white t-shirt. Normally it's red for raw, but not in this weather. <laughs> Bright white to give me some hope. Anyway, that's a massive tangent. None of you care. Uh, warning that I've uh, had before as well, because of uh, like coronavirus situations, I'm not recording in the best conditions. So right next to me is a, uh, a brand new fridge that was built. It's six foot tall. <laughs> so it's pretty big. Um, but I found that it, um, when I say it purrs like a kitten, I mean, that's a, that's a turn of phrase where you meant, it's meant to just mean, there's that, oh, yeah, oh, it like it. oh, it's amazing. But but if it actually started making cat noises, <laughs> so if you hear a noise that sounds like I've got a cat, I don't have a cat, it also does like a baby baby calf kind of moo. <laughs> it, it makes noises. So uh, uh, apologies if you pick anything up or if the microphone does throughout this recording. But anyway, none of you care about that. You're here for... Monday Night Raw, and uh, I guess a little bit of a statement before I get into it as well, because I've got a or controversial statement to make. Uh, I am num- first and foremost a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan. They are my number one promotion. I they are the one I mark over and I, I buy into everything. And in terms of uh, like with Wednesdays, I'm the guy kind of I'm one of the guys that just says if you're what not watching either one of NXT or AEW, you're missing out because they're both fantastic. So I'm not on really. I find the uh, brand loyalty wars stupid. <laughs> You're purposely cutting yourself out as a consumer for reasons. Uh, but I just want to say that to start with. So you kind of, know, uh, if you are not listening before, you kind of know what my fandom is as I'm going into this initial statement that I genuinely enjoyed Raw this week. Positive thumbs up. Like if you listened to my show last week, it was nothing but complaints and moans. Um, I was um, my main thing was I got my fatigue point, and I wrote on there that I did not fatigue. Sorry, sorry, sorry this one again. I fatigued only one and a half hours into the show, and then it just for me. I hated last week's show. This week, kind of weirdly, at like a with a lower consequence of stuff and a lot less frantic and weird things happening. I thought the show flowed so much better. So last week felt like random thing thrown out, followed by the next random thing, the next random thing. Just going to quickly check my audio. And uh, that pacing for me was just awful. I couldn't stand it. But the pacing this week I thought was so much better. Kind of building up on like the random, the, like, the random stuff that was thrown at the wall this week got a little bit more kind of added on to it. A lot of it really low-key, like especially with, I forgot what they called, I want to say retribution. Uh, like, I mean, who cares? <laughs> Whatever they're called. I, uh, it was extremely low key, wasn't really like all chaos, or oh, you smashed the window that the Street Profits smashed in their match, so it's only just been built up, and like, oh, why did they make it out of sugar glass? Surely it's always going to happen <laughs> with an wrestling world. Um, but yeah, it's pretty low key stuff for them. But the thing that definitely got me at the end of the show that brought me back, and because uh, I was maybe fatiguing by the main event, which if you're going to fatigue at any point, like, it's the final part of the show. Like, you don't really have that much to kind of burst you through it. But, I generally... Like, the ending really brought me back with Randy Orton punting his manager, associate, uh, mentor, colleague, what have you, uh, Ric Flair. And I'll, I guess I'll quickly talk about the match that led into it, where uh, the main event was Kevin Owens versus Randy Orton, who was joined by Ric Flair. Uh, it was a pretty brawly match, uh, Orton to trying to control a tad with the rest hold, but Kevin Owens is known for his fight. He got a lot of offense in here, and Randy Orton attacking the shoulders of kind of uh, Kevin Owens' previously injured shoulders to kind of try and bring him down. But KO just kept kicking and punching his way back in, 
even after getting dumped hard on the announce desk, he was still kicking out, was still going. Uh, and the commentators are pointing out that Randy Orton was seemingly getting a little bit frustrated, even though for Randy Orton that means he's still like, trying to keep in control. And that built into like lots of near falls and a fantastic spot for me where Kevin Owens got so much in, he was then poised to go for his finisher. But it's, uh, he then poised, crouched down like Randy Orton does for the RKO, like mocking him and teasing him. But when he goes for the stunner, he's caught and spun round into the actual thing by Randy Orton. I really like that finish. And it didn't make Kevin Owens seem too much of an idiot. He got a lot in in the match. Like if you just looked at the results of, oh, Kevin Owens loses, they're building up the match. Kevin Owens is, for, like, for another pay-per-view, Kevin Owens is just kind of about without much direction. But he's influenced a bigger story. So it feels like he's a current bit player that is getting built up for the future. I'll see how they kind of build him up like after SummerSlam. I don't feel like he'll have a big role in SummerSlam. He's had, like, they're placing him higher up the locker room, kind of, in terms of hierarchy. So that might come to fruition and then might, might help out for after SummerSlam. His mother's statement was after Drew McIntyre and Andy Orton. Like, what have they got? <laughs> like, this is their biggest match. There isn't really anything to go after. But anyway, it's what came after the match. Like, it's a solid main event after an overall solid show. But it wasn't quite over. Uh, really, the main talking point came afterwards. Randy Orton asked Ric Flair for a favour for him to stay with him for when they returned after the break. Yeah, don't turn the show off. <laughs> There's like 20 minutes left after the pin in the main event. Okay? <laughs> and when we come back, uh, Randy Orton and Ric Flair have a massive dialogue. Uh, Orton says... He has every right to be upset with him, but he can't find it in his heart to hate the Nature Boy. Uh, but he has every right, because this match with Kevin Owens wasn't necessary. He was only in this fight because Ric Flair's ego got him into it last week. Uh, but he can't get angry at him. He gives him a whole myriad of reasons and reminisces on another time from the past when a friend bailed him out of a really bad situation on this occasion. Of course, it was Ric Flair coming to his aid, coming to the aid of a stupid 22-year-old kid. Uh, but Orson doesn't respect him anymore. He doesn't because he's a liability. Uh, says he took him under his wing all those years ago because Randy Orton could be the kind of son he never had. The kind of line, well, as soon as I heard that, I was like, hmm, not quite sure how people would respond to that. The answer was, they were seeing with Ryan because the context was fine. Because it was fine that Randy Orton kind of overreacting where he's trying to take his contendership for the WWE Championship really seriously. And he's been extremely frustrated by Ric Flair <laughs> here. And this is like an overreaction in a way. And it context fit that. Because of course, like, the, thing, mo the moment that jumped to mind was... Uh, Paige and Charlotte with their absolutely awful liners as the promo was building it's just like please don't go there it feels completely unnecessary and the entire segment feels forced for you to go to that line that direction uh, to bring up a recently deceased son was like massively the feeling during that promo was please don't go there here because of the context because of what Randy, why Randy Orton is saying what he's saying I feel like that's why there's not been that outrage it fit the character in that moment to say that thing seemed to go too far. And Ric Flair's reaction, I thought, was handled extremely well to kind of go like the emotional route, uh, appeal to Randy Orton that way. But, I mean, before he can, he then goes even further, Randy Orton. He calls Flair a washed-up junkie for the spotlight. Uh, in a few weeks, Randy Orton's got the opportunity to become a 14-time world champion. That's what Flair should be concerned with. But he was just worried about himself. And this is where Ric Flair takes the mics. Mics takes the mic. He hears that's my ears. It's weird. He hears him and wants to be there with Orton when he wins his fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth world title. It calls him the greatest performer in the business today. All he wants to, all he wanted to do after he woke up in intensive care, after months of treatment, was to call the people that he loved. And Randy was one of those names. Uh, Orton takes the mic and hugs him. Uh, the emotional appeal to Randy Orton perhaps working before low blowing him and that, and Ric Flair just screaming in both emotional and physical pain uh, anguish that's a better word <laughs> emotional and physical anguish uh, leaning over the mat and whispering as the legend lays in pain which gave uh, an amazing photo up on uh, WWE.com Orton 
then pence up and walks back to the corner. Uh, the lights fully switch off for a second as he hypes to punt the legend, then off completely as he runs to connect. Uh, we get to see him in the opposite corner, having supposedly kicked the man right in the head. Uh, the sound editing of the crowd reaction, I thought here, was a bit crap, but they used the cameras going off to, again, you do the straight run, but you don't actually have to kick him in the head. But it's like you did. As it is way around it, incorporating them, even if I'll get to it later, even though it the actions of the uh, out there are anarchy, anarchy group. I can't say find the word. <laughs> the group causing the anarchy. They did nothing that would have any problems on the power, but, you know, I digress. They set up the lights going down so it didn't seem weird in the main event. It's just, yeah. They didn't, they didn't set up why they were happening this week. <laughs> that, it made sense for last week, but it didn't didn't do anything this week to cause any power problems. But they had at least set that up during the show because the lights were doing it throughout. Anyway, that's not the point. <laughs> I'm focused on something that really doesn't matter. Because um, that was a massive turning point for Randy Orton's character. Uh, Ric Flair got this match set up via his, I guess his own ego as well, which is what Randy Orton was pointing out. It's like He has like legit reasons where he's trying to focus on this match and Ric Flair is getting him into fights he doesn't need to be in. So seeing him as a liability just takes him out. And like as a heel character, that is like to have such relentlessness as well, like just not like just making a decision like that. I just feel like it's so reasonable to do it. So we have applauding Seth Rollins' character and seeing a similar trait here with Randy Orton. It's like yes, his character has been so good. <laughs> like the writing for it and him as well. It's it's on another bar this year. Uh, McIntyre then ran in as Randy Orton slid out, uh, shouting, "Even him, you son of a bitch!" Uh, the two scowl at each other as the show goes off air. They scowl at each other for a really long time. Like these two, I swear it was like two or three minutes when like you would have it nowhere near that <laughs> in terms of uh, you've, in terms of like pace and momentum. It just went on and on. And they were, I think they did it more to like, get your proper moment with McIntyre's show. Like he really does care, McIntyre. Uh, and I guess it's time for like enough time for the segment to shift gears away from you focusing on Ric Flair to you focusing on Drew McIntyre. So it's like, I do not know what is wrong with my headphones. Hello to the uh, person or people saying hello in the chat. <laughs> yeah, I need, to be, I need to do better at looking into the chat because I always look at my notes and forget to look at it. Anyway, not that's not an issue for podcast listeners. <laughs> not even care about that. Uh, anyway, personally, I thought that segment absolutely... Like landed really, really well with the main event. Um, the character turn for Randy Orton as he punts Ric Flair, uh, an amazing moment, as I very quickly realised that I probably need a haircut. I mean, just I'm adjusting my hair so much <laughs> during this. You're watching the video. It's just going to be me just constantly adjusting my hair. It's going to be really, really weird. But like, I generally really, really enjoyed the main event, and I thought it really did a nice twist to take us into next week on things like I am fine thank you person in chat <laughs> no one ever asked me how I am <laughs> it's like a full on statement to do with a wrestling-y thing so it's nice it's a nice change of pace uh, anyway fun not well not fun main event interesting main event with Kevin Owens and Randy Orton but the Ric Flair stuff I thought was amazing character work and really sets us onto that next step for uh, what's my dick SummerSlam that's it what's the tagline for SummerSlam like you'll never see it coming that's it not a fan <laughs> of the like taglines becoming official parts of the title like yeah you could put it in the promo stuff for it but for the show to actually be called summer slam you'll never see it coming like yeah i'm not putting that in the aftershock title <laughs> like the day i'm doing like the day i'm live here on the laws of pain radio and i'm doing the show i'm not calling it summer slam you'll never see it coming summer slam 2020 <laughs> it's yeah but, but yes, that end, so that's kind of my feelings on that. I thought it was a fantastic character turn. I thought Ric Flair did an amazing job where, like, re, like in recent kind of things of Ric Flair, I thought, oh, it's Ric Flair. Like, he's, he's not been the best, but with Randy Orton, he's really worked, and I thought this was his best thing in years, this segment with Randy Orton. Uh, the selling of the kick as well, uh, the shots of Randy Orton hovering over Ric Flair, and again, the images that WWE have got of that, I used it for the thumbnail as well, like highly edited. But just that picture of Randy Orton over Ric Flair's body whispering something to him. Again, we don't hear the whispers. We don't hear the message he gave him after punting him in the head. It was like, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> really, really like that segment. I think the only thing I could have maybe done without is the Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton kind of stare down going on so long. I, I, I get the idea of it, of it, of them like you're sensing that pure anger where they're just scowling at each other with such hatred. But to do it for so long, I was like, yeah. You can, if you do this segment in the middle of the show and it maybe goes this long, maybe I don't have as many complaints, but because it's like the final shots of the show and I've been watching for three hours, like, mate, um, I'm ready to turn this off. <laughs> like, can I can the show finish, please? They're going back and forth for so long. So, yeah, yeah, I don't have any notes to catch up on because this, this is the end of the show. <laughs> uh, anyway, fantastic final segment. Sets up Summer Sam really, really well. And after spending 15 minutes on that, I've got a whole three-hour show to get through. So a quick sip of tea from my new day mug. Sorry, my new day mug. <laughs> that was a crap gag. Um, also, shout out to uh, Howard on Twitter, who... Because uh, I, I have to type like the titles for these sh- uh, shows like so many times to get it out there. Uh, in terms of like the different formats and places I've got it. And the, I guess, like, fifth time of me typing this title of Autumn Punts Vic Flair in the SEO for Google, which then sends it out to different social media sites, I accidentally wrote Autumn Puns Vic Flair. And uh, so on Facebook, it's gone out as Autumn Puns Flair. And I've not looked, but I'm expecting... Normally, if you miss, if you put a typo on Facebook, like, whoever wrote that article gets ripped into, like, the, they're the worst editor in the world. <laughs> it's like, God, I thought, I thought, you know, what awful editors you are. You're absolutely awful, God. Uh, so, I bet you <laughs> there'll be at least one <laughs> person ripping into that. Uh, but shout out to Howard, he came up with the best pun of uh, awesome puns, Ric Flair. Oh, ain't that a kick in the head. Oh, fantastic pun. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I, I'm assuming the silence given after I delivered that so mediocrely is uh, warranted. Because <laughs> it's such a novel pun. Uh, anyway, so, as I was saying, I'm going to go through the card now in order. But as I was saying, this was one of the better flowing roars uh, of this era. A, a pretty easy watch this week. Um, and that's coming for somebody who has made it a thing to put my fatigue point. Like, just to make sure I've noted it. Uh, so, for this week, I didn't get fatigued until the main event. That said, I was dealing with real-life things, so also had to take... Uh, like, I had an actual forced break coming upon me, and I wasn't towards the end of the show enough. I was only partway through the main event, and uh, that kind of... That may have influenced it. So, yes, I hit a fatigue point, but I also knew I'd have to, like, physically move <laughs> and do stuff by that time. So that maybe influenced it. So again, context of my situation whilst watching it is as important when bringing up the fatigue point as I kind of log it as we go by. Again, I've only had... So after the start of this, I've only had one like kind of breaking point level fatigue. Um, and that was last week. <laughs> so anyway, we'll just quickly say though, I personally have zero time for Raw Underground. It does absolutely nothing for me. Um, like you can use it to make wrestlers look strong or maybe build them off it. But last week, Raw Underground ended with the Hurt Business saying, now we're running this place. This week, they didn't even mention it like it existed at all. So if you're building, so that kind of, it felt like it was a bit jarring and not linked to the main Raw world to begin with. But now whatever's happening in Raw Underground does, that has no repercussions for what happens on the main Raw show itself. So there's no continuity between the two. So why on earth do I care about the Raw Underground if it has no consequence or influence on anything? It's just waste of time. <laughs> Again, I'll see it over time, because uh, obviously these first two were, were recorded at once, so they don't really know what the vision for it was, so I can forgive that a bit. I'm not going to rip into it too much this week after doing so last week. I'm not expecting much of an improvement. We'll say cutting out the girls... Dancing, major bonus cut, because it, it felt so like desperately trying to appeal um, doing that. And and out of date levels of it as well. Also, less Shane McMahon screaming certain things at the big lads. That, that <laughs> also appropriate. Like, he did it, but it was, it was nowhere near as overbearing. Um, and I'll get to the, neg- like, the proper negative. I'll get to negatives later. But I wasn't expecting major things. But I will say, these first two weeks, not for me at all. Anyway, through the card in order. And... It is so hot. <laughs> uh, Americans can laugh at me as it's probably only like 20 degrees Celsius. 
<laughs> so whatever that is to the American people. Uh, anyway, so Samoa Joe opens the show by welcoming us to a contract signing. He always had the most unique signings, Samoa Joe. Like, always made those uh, segments interesting. Like, somehow, when like in a WWE, at the time in NXT, like contract signings that were happening on the main roster were so of the same rhythm and there was nothing unique or interesting about them. And then Samoa Joe comes along on NXT and every one of them is interesting and different. I mean, still... Yeah, it's a contract signing, <laughs> but, but at least he kind of played around with the format. Uh, so we opened up with Seth Rollins, who was joined by Buddy Murphy and Dominic Mysterio, signing their contracts as a train in the background hoots. Did the trains hoot? <laughs> they, it did its horn really loudly, so I heard that. Anyway, I live near a train station-ish. Anyway, a really smart move to have Joe do, do most of the talking uh, for Dominic against Seth here. Seth, that's not how you say his name, unless you're Northern Irish. Uh, looking the badass without looking... Or we not the badass whilst looking after Dominic's kendo stick. I was going to say what without Dominic doing something, but it's like, no, I'm going to praise Dominic. Uh, he, he's been great, I think, so far. Uh, like, Samoa Joe was doing a great job of breaking down the Messiah, uh, or what he sees the Messiah gimmick really as. But as he said... Oh, so Samoa Joe's words, you got booed a few times and got caught up in all your feelings and that's justification to take out Rey Mysterio's eye. It just, it, it just linked it to last year and it all connected and just made sense, the arc of the Seth Rollins character. And uh, um, yeah, this is a kind of, yeah, I've got to say is this the, the point to bring up the Seth Rollins critiques that I, that I saw on, on Twitter after writing these notes. So uh, yeah, this is a good time to do it. Seth Rollins saying that uh, people like viewers are not up for long-term storytelling, and that's the issue he's got. Like, there's lots of long-term storytelling here, but you're just not ready for it. You're the it's your fault for not picking up on it. Like, we are we are doing long-term storytelling, but you don't want it. Seems to be the thing here. <laughs> so I saw that like a little bit of debate online, but I didn't jump in at all. I mean, I could save it for these, uh, like. Personally, because again, when you look at other promotions, like for New Japan Pro Wrestling, for AEW, fans seem to be totally on board with it. So if what Seth is saying is true for his world, not just wrestling, he say, it comes across as a statement of wrestling as a whole, but let's just say it's just for WWE. Well then why is that? Why are they fine with it with every other promotion aside from WWE? Well that's easy, the viewer's been conditioned. How you present your show conditions the viewer. And they've been conditioned for long-term storytelling and continuity to just not be there. There's only one way to fix that. And personally, in this lockdown era, they've got become much better at it. But there's still, like, massive... Like, long-term, long a lot of characters... Like, stuff just gets kind of pushed to the side and you're meant to not remember it. Um, it's not as bad as last year. We'll say the lockdown's probably helped them. And you're getting a lot of more uh, consistency within the characters and their arcs and the way they're building and they're going and how they're calling back to the previous versions of themselves. It's it's way better than last year. Again, last year I turned off the show. It came back for SummerSlam because it was so all over the place. This year, I feel like they're doing a much better job. There's still quite a bit of stuff thrown at the wall, which I'm applying the four-week test to, as in, will this exist in four weeks? And of course, there's... Already, you always get them drop storylines, and this year has been no different with the SmackDown hacker. And uh, uh, what else will be dropped? Because <laughs> the amount they're throwing at the wall at the moment. But still, uh, in terms of, it's the viewers not wanting, not, they don't want long-term storytelling. I mean, other promotions are doing it, so that can't be true. And if they're accepting it in those other promotions, that means they will accept it in yours. You just have to recondition them, essentially. And that, unfortunately, that will take time. Because, again, uh, viewers in WWE have been kind of conditioned to expect storytelling to kind of, like, reset like a comic book. And what I've talked about it in the past, like, I guess the difference between what I'm saying and what Seth's saying is, I would say, yeah, he's right, but I wouldn't say it in a negative way. Just because that's how you've been conditioned, to kind of treat WWE more like you're reading a comic book rather than a graphic novel. Personally, neither one's worse than the other. They're just two different styles of writing. It's kind of like the content within there that really matters. But then WWE will sometimes try and say, no, we do long-term storytelling when they clearly don't. It's clearly it's like, again, where you write your separate stories in the comic and then, then you try and do continuity between the two or three of them when when you wrote the thing, you had no such desire. 
but then in post you kind of try and link it together and try and make it make sense. Um, you can do that. WWE is normally half decent at that. That's my take on it anyway. So yeah, fans are fine for long-term storytelling. It's just with WWE as the viewer, we've been conditioned to expect the opposite. And anyway, I can't. I'm, I'm got to stop taking massive tangents like that. <laughs> and I've got more coming. I know. Um, so anyway. I'll just say, like, in, after Samojo got his stuff in, uh, Seth had none of it. Uh, he says that Joe is just another person who doesn't understand the good he's doing here. Uh, also, uh, Seth, again, was fantastic. He, like, he's absolutely nailed his character at the moment. Uh, and to be fair, Dominic held his own too. Like, short and sweet, but delivered without a fault. Pretty much in line with all of the physical stuff he's been doing so far too. Like, the, the apples fall and with all of the talent still intact. And <laughs> Dominic is really impressing me so far. And like the welts on his back. Like, my God. So if you've not seen the image, uh, Dominic Mysterio in this segment took quite a few kendo stick shots from Seth Rollins and from Buddy Murphy. And uh, the photos afterwards, like you can see in the segment, like the welts building, the, again, not really scars, but the marks made by the kendo sticks, you can see them building on uh, Dominic's back as the segment goes on. So it's not like kind of makeup <laughs> to make it look really, really bad. It's like, no, they, that's kind of how they came out. And uh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm assuming he got a lot of respect from the people in the back for doing that segment and taking so much, <laughs> such a brutal attack. Um, but uh, all the applause in the world. And uh, well, bringing it back to the story, Ronin says fine to Dominic um, with the kind of, I think it was a hardcore match. It was a stipulation or something. And uh, he says, fine to Dominic being so driven to kick his ass. He'll just have to end young Mysterio's career before it even begins. Uh, both men sign. Uh, Dominic looking, looking up, checking Seth isn't trying anything the whole time. Like, nothing does go down. And we're soon informed that Seth has a match against Umberto Carrillo. Uh, and Seth words, so Dom, get, get Dom, get way outside, <laughs> way outside. Just without the English accent, make it sound like he's hollowing the dog. He wasn't like that. <laughs> Seth Rollins versus Humberto Carrillo. Uh, pretty short and sweet match, uh, giving Rollins a win uh, before going a, into a Dominic beatdown. Most, uh, WWE most of the time would do this like straight in the contract signing, uh, but this fits the Rollins character so much better, like projecting an air of professionalism. When he twists later, it's never his fault, but that of his opponents. Just a nice little character thing there. Uh, Dominic Kendo sticks Murphy off the apron. Apron? Apron? <laughs> off the apron. Carrillo uses that to moonsault onto Rollins, who gets the knees up and then slams Carrillo down again and runs off the ropes for the curb stomp. As I said, short and sweet. Uh, the real time here was dedicated to the signing and the vicious beatdown afterwards. Like, honestly, this was so infinitely more effective than any of that eye stuff, like any of the eye nonsense. Like whacking Dominic again and again, like trapped in the ropes, receiving painful looking shots of the kendo stick, the red welt so visible on the young'un's chest and back. Uh, and then obviously Murphy joined in as well, just to make it even worse, <laughs> like rapido kendo stick shots, and uh, yeah, going ballistic on them. And uh, afterwards, Rollins bounces off the ropes again, to tease a curb stomp, but Dominic just collapses. Uh, Seth laughs and knocks into the camera. Ha ha! To be continued, Ray. That's, that's what he talks like, right? <laughs> that's why Seth Rollins in person. Uh, the shots of Dominic's back, they, they look brutal. Like, if you want to see them, they are up on social media. Like, uh, I guess content warning, because they are <laughs> pretty bad. Like, wholly covered in uh, kendo stick scars, welts, and what have you. Yeah, again, really, really effective opener. When I say I enjoyed the show, again, nothing but praise for the main, for the ending segment and the same for the opening one. And Dominic, just a round of applause for that man, <laughs> for taking that. And uh, before we go to our second segment, we got a recap of the technical difficulties from last week that were foreshadowing the new group, Retribution. Uh, I'm not going to remember that name. <laughs> I'll do my best. It's generic actually word beginning with R, like retaliation or revenge. Actually, retaliation's worse. <laughs> so has there been a Transformers retaliation or Transformers retribution? Don't know. <laughs> it makes sense there would be. Uh, interesting, interesting angle really for the retribution stuff. Like almost unwatchable with WWE's peak worst camera 
work straight out of 2000s like Viva La Bam Zoom Cut, <laughs> Zoom like quick cut things. Like, filming techniques stuck in the past just like their products, eh? Uh, we brought a Canadian onto LP Radio, I'm allowed to say A more now. Uh, number two. <laughs> I keep forgetting. To most people, saying number two and going into the next segment is not how a show works, but <laughs> screw it. Uh, Andrade uh, with Selena Vega and Angel Garza versus Angelo Dawkins. I'm saying it like that from now on. Uh, who would maybe be joined by Bianca Belair. Spoilers. Uh, before the match, Zelina firmly restates that she had nothing to do with Montez Ford's poisoning. Why would she risk her client's opportunity at SummerSlam like that? Makes sense. Totally. As in, I'm totally in with this angle, as long as Zelina definitely didn't do it. If she did do it, then I'm like, ah, oh, that's a bit crap. But like my initial instinct was it, like, it linked into the retribution stuff. Because, of course, like, it was the poisoning Montez Ford, and, oh my god, a box has fallen over. Like, that's... <laughs> it does like, the chaos that's been building around. And you've got, like, things being lit on fire, got cars being overturned, but, oh, a box fell over. We need, we need to get to the bottom of that mystery. <laughs> like, that'll be one of the things forgotten. They'll talk about the bigger stuff, but, no, the box. <laughs> I'll keep bringing up the box <laughs> until it gets brought up. Like, Caleb Braxton thought it was serious enough to talk about a box being knocked over. Ugh. Anyway, uh, as Dawkins comes out on his lonesome, uh, the lights dim down again, getting some technical issues. Uh, this time, uh, compared to last week on Raw, uh, Tom Phillips makes sure we're all well aware that these technical issues are to blame on the new group Retribution, of whom we literally just saw a recap package for informing us they were to blame for the technical issues. As in literally, before the ad break, the previous thing in my notes was talking about the promo. Ad break. Come to this segment. Tom Phillips informs us with his words of the thing we've just li- literally just been told about. Um, like, can you see why people complain that they recap too much? Like, you never write trying to make sure the kids are definitely following. Like, they'll enjoy the action. They don't care. And you'll bore the adults. <laughs> so don't write a plot trying to make sure the kids are definitely following it. Just uh, things you pick up along the way. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this match was full of plenty of stalling from Andrade, uh, trying to goad Dawkins into strike with a quick swipe or chop down. Uh, The the much more seasoned singles competitor able to have a bit of fun with his primarily tag wrestling opponent. Uh, Maybe a bit too much with the Street Profit fighting his way back in in with his own jabs and reversals. Uh, in the end, Bianca Belair ran out to pull Zelina off the apron. Andrade tried to capitalise, but Dawkins countered with a mighty spinebuster for the win. Wasn't called a spinebuster. It might have even had a bit more of a lift and a slam to it. But I didn't hear the call, so it's a spinebuster. <laughs> uh, after that, uh, Bl- Belair and Vega... What's it called? A blur. <laughs> uh, and Vega brawl into the ring, sending us to break, ready to swing straight into the women's match. And that's what I'll do. Uh, Zelina Vega, now joined by Andrade and Angel Garza, uh, versus Bianca Belair, now joined by Angelo Dawkins. Uh, Bianca Belair is a star. And Vega, the perfect opponent to really show off her strength to. Like, we've seen the EST's athleticism and speed in her quick tags against the Iconics, uh, but here we got to see her incredible power against the much smaller opponent. And Selena herself, uh, we got to see her cheekened wits, uh, yanking Bianca's hair, poking her in the eye outside the referee's view, like showcasing her smartness for the odd moment before Belair throws her around, and which happened, and uh, ending with the KOD for the winners, Belair gets retaliation for Ford. Retaliation, that's another... <laughs> Did I say retaliation for, the, for my made-up Transformers movie? Uh, after the match, Caruso just pops up. She's there now <laughs> in the ring. Uh, Belair says that she and her husband like to keep their business separate, but Zelina stepped the line with what she did, and now she's got the smoke. Uh, maybe Mont- maybe Angela Dawkins said the smoke bit. Another sip of the tea. Oh, I forget to breathe <laughs> while doing it. Mm. Announcing it for the podcast listeners. Obviously on YouTube you can see me drinking the tea, <laughs> so I don't really need to announce I'm doing it. Uh, segment number three was the Hurt Business with the Hurt Business VIP Lounge. Uh, MVP is not happy. After losing the United States Championship, he's not feeling celebratory. Uh, as a seasoned veteran, 
How is he meant to win championships in these unsafe conditions? Uh, Apollo didn't beat him. The lights did. I love that. <laughs> like MVP moaning about the lights when his opponent wrestled in those exact same conditions. <laughs> like, as a heel, yeah, I really rate that as like kind of reasoning for the character to try and weasel his way into a rematch. And of course it works. Um, speaking of Apollo, Apollo comes out and mocks MVP for no longer holding the title that he spent so much money on to turn into a new belt. I was trying to think of the way to phrase that. <laughs> uh, at SummerSlam, the only lights that will be going out will be yours. Naff line, but, the, but he then runs into the ring, presses the couch out of the ring, so credibility redeemed. <laughs> you beast of a man. <laughs> They deliver a naff line, but then go in and suplex a sofa out. Oh, that, okay, fine. <laughs> fine, I'll, I'll stop ripping into you about the line. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Yeah, you, can, you, can, you can mess him up. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, that led us, after the ad break, into Apollo Crews versus Shelton Benjamin. A perfectly fine match in the middle of the show. Going in, assuming a Crews win as he marches on to SummerSlam as champion. Like, if anything, that's really what makes Benjamin such a perfect addition to the Hurt Business. Like, MVP's such a good talker, like, he can't take every single pin. Then with Bobby Lashley so strong, he can't be losing anything but upsets, really. Shelton Benjamin, however, yeah, he's good. Uh, but nope, in WWE, we pin our champions, remember? Uh, Apollo able to take down Benjamin with quick bursts of kicks and power, but a sudden Lashley's interference is enough to distract Cruz, who takes the big man down, but gets rolled up by Benjamin, who steals the win. And I've called it a slightly confusing one. I, I, like, as I was writing this, like, I, for me, when I was writing my notes, it was like the perfect opportunity for just dawning on me. It's like, oh, yeah, I can put things at the beginning because Benjamin is like surely in the group to build up the champions. And Apollo Crews, having been out for some time, kind of makes sense to kind of build him up a bit, get a bit of momentum behind him. But no. And really, like, they gave the Hurt Business a bit more momentum, like re-legitimising Shelton Benjamin after his return run has done like anything but that. Like he's turned into an enhancement talent, really, and this is trying to give him his cred back. And it's weird. for me, the only reason it's weird, the entire thing, is because last week's ending with Raw Underground going off the air with the Hurt Business having destroyed everybody, that ending had no bearing or impact on what happened this week. So in terms of long-term storytelling continuity, they're not even done from one week to the next, so why would I... Yeah, <laughs> like, why would I assume you're doing long-term storytelling when you can't even do short-term? Like, it's, it's another one. Uh, I mean, the stuff with Apollo Crews is continuing, obviously. Because there's things like that from one week to the next where it's just not referenced or mentioned at all. Uh, sticking with the storylines that are already happening around Raw Underground. Really, it's a Raw Underground thing. Like, I'm not a fan of the, I guess, additions to the show waiting for things to kind of move on. Like, is Raw Underground going to... If it Raw Underground builds up a superstar who then wrecks havoc on the actual roster in the ring, then yeah, it might have been worth it. Kind of like with Retribution. I feel like that is going to just... Just, just wallow, essentially. <laughs> just wallow. Just stay steady in the waters. Not really going anywhere for me. Not really engaging me that much until the members are revealed. And given that the assumption is they're big NXT names, then maybe I'll get my kind of investment back in then. But until then, I'm... F yeah. Similar to what Underground, I'm waiting to see if it lasts four weeks. I'm assuming Retribution will, because that's more like a group of wrestlers. But it's the four-week rule, which was really established these like, past couple of years, or past few years. Whereas WWE would debut so many storylines, or character traits, or arcs, or things like Raw Underground. Uh, then four weeks later... It's either completely rewritten or ne not mentioned at all. Like, it doesn't exist. It's just, after four weeks, just pop, gone. Uh, that happened so much last year. It, it was insane. That's why I stopped watching. It's like, I'll wait until you've settled yourself. And by SummerSlam, they kind of had. They were resetting, essentially. Uh, speaking of random stuff, a cinder block has been thrown through a sugar glass window. Oh, no. It's the same one that Dawkins broke at Extreme Rules. Oh, they've only just rebuilt it. Ugh. Oh. Those, oh, those scallywags, oh, they didn't go and smash, like, a window that that hadn't been smashed before. Oh, they went for the one they've only just rebuilt, that's, they've only just rebuilt that, that's, oh, that's, they've done their research. <laughs> that's, like, added pain. 
Oh, added pain because it's a window. <laughs> I did not mean that. Um, yeah, they're like visually, like everything they're doing, like it really feels like they're like influenced or playing off the riots from reality. Uh, I guess my only kind of take from that is they're taking visually off of riots that were legitimately protesting something incredibly serious and to visually kind of play it off as, oh, aren't these guys bad? Uh, uh. Yeah, grey area. Yeah, Enter the grey area with that. Most people won't make those comparisons at all. Um, so, hence, I guess, hence the grey area, because um, it's not black or white. If I, if I put it in black for bad or white for good, I guess, in terms of, like, morality plays... Oh, I'm going nerdy. <laughs> Mention morality plays. Um, if you... If you're doing it like that, I'll put it in grey. It'll be an issue for some, not an issue for others. And for people like me, I'm like, oh, I'll see where it lands. Visually comparable, though. Uh, after that, we got Mickey James, who's back. Yeah, she, uh, she had a wee little interview. Uh, until Lana and Natalia walk in wearing matching colourful outfits. And as soon as I saw them, I was like, this act together, instantly amazing. I love it. And that was before Lana gave the amazing line of... How can you be a locker room le leader? You don't have a TikTok. I was like, oh, never truer words have been spoken. Never truer words. <laughs> it's such a crap line, but the kind of gimmick that they would go, they go for with Lana and Natalia, it's so fits. I just heard a really loud light bulb, because I think one of my bulbs has gone. Yeah, I think, yeah. Anyway, if, it's, if I've, you've seen the lighting dim down, that might be why. But still... To, re to revert back to what I was saying before, so the king, <laughs> the yeah, Lana and Talia, really digging it, really like it was just a quick thing that they didn't really on the show this, that much this week, but their little moment and that line from Lana, it's a crap line, but it just works because they're meant to be kind of cheesy and <laughs> kind of corny with the things they're saying, uh, yeah, and I guess the first proper gimmick truly influenced by social media to incorporate it like that, like the influencer kind of star. And I feel like Lana is the character to do that with. And her playing off of Natalia, who, to be fair, is pretty uh, heavy, I guess, Instagram and uh, tw uh, Twitter kind of user herself. Yeah, the dynamic works. It works. I can buy it. <laughs> These two, uh, as heels, would act like that. Uh, as as the characters they are. I I'm in for it. I love it. When I say I buy it, I mean in terms of, like, into the characters and enjoying the comedy. Uh, we then got a recap of Raw Underground last week. That's because there's Raw Underground this week. <laughs> uh, then we've got Ivar of the Viking Raiders hitting on The Bachelor last from last week. I've forgotten the name already. Uh, I'm so bad with names. <laughs> uh, Viking, I think I said last week, by next week I won't remember her name. And uh, hey, here we are. <laughs> uh, Viking Raiders team with Ricochet and Alexander next. They did like a cheesy thing where the uh, woman was laughing at Ivar because he's meant to be the cute and Eric, uh, not so much. And when she says that, Ricochet and Alexander were like, oh, doing the cheeky laugh, like, oh, we're laughing at the line because that's what's in the script. Oh, Yeah, it felt so bad and corny. I felt so bad for Ricochet and Alexander. Because, yeah, yeah, it was bad. Then we got Recap City continuing as we see the Rollins Mysterio beat down again. From the start of the show, by Mysterio I mean Dominic. Dominic. From the start of the show, we saw the angle played out again. Then went to Ricochet and Cedric Alexander and the Viking Raiders versus Akira Tozawa and the Ninjas. Uh, fine. <laughs> the faces take the piss as they josh about beating up the Ninjas. Uh, one by one, they take them out until the final Ninjas like nah. Uh, on the ramp, a referee walks out and apologizes to Tozawa. Who's like, wait, what? And that final ninja, who's definitely not our truth, rolls him up, one, two, three, a new champion, and he removes his mask, and it's only our truth. Our <laughs> truth is once again 24 7 champion. Uh, this match was something that certainly happened. And I shall now move on. <laughs> not much more to say. Uh, interview with Drew McIntyre. He says that Orton just wants to make sure he's on top of WWE for as long as he can. He took that torch from Foley in 2004. Now Drew's going to rip it from his hands. Uh, I love that kind of comparison and line. Uh, next up, Liv Morgan with Ruby Riot versus Peyton Royce with Billy Kay. As the faces were walking out in uh, Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot, uh, Byron Saxon was saying 
Well, it's something I never thought would happen, but here we are. Whilst I was watching that, thinking, I have nowhere near any investment level for this. <laughs> like, the Riot Squad never really had any momentum achieved that much. They were like, quite far down the totem pole pretty quickly, and now and then Ruby Riot would get a shot at... She got a match with Ronda Rousey, and a, the consensus was, yeah, Ruby Riot, she could be a legitimate something if you just give her more opportunities. Then injuries got in the way. The Riot Squad never really truly got going or elevated anywhere. And uh, but but now it's like this massive story of oh my god it's such a crazy visual to see Ruby Riot with Liv Morgan that oh like for me it's a circumstance where I like the wrestlers involved I see they've clearly got talent just don't care about the characters I just don't have any investment like you can watch a movie liking the actor but not enjoy the movie <laughs> like, yeah and that's my kind of stance here like the people involved don't care for the story, like, it's just not got me, it's not invested. Um, maybe it needs me to have bought the Riot Squad, maybe, for it to work, I just don't. And I've bought Ruby Riot turning on them, which didn't really go anywhere because of injury. So again, it's like a double whammy <laughs> of reasons to struggle getting invested in this storyline. Uh, I mean, it's been, this bit's been told well enough, it's just the bit beforehand, it's kind of jars me out of it a bit. Uh, miscommunication in the match uh, between Morgan and Riot uh, gets capitalised upon, uh, with Royce charging into the corner before lifting Liv, it was Liv Morgan, she's against, before lifting Liv into the air, twisting down with that incredible finisher. Uh, Liv and Ruby argue after the match. as like, oh, okay, miscommunications that they're going to have to overcome. Hopefully this doesn't result in a feud between the two and more in them bonding. And we've got another contender for the tag titles. Yeah, Raya only jumping was only jumping up anyway to get Billy Kay down, uh, but when the referee turned, he just saw Ruby Riot, just saw Ruby Riot on there, and uh, Liv got distracted by that and costed the match. So miscommunication. Leads us into Raw Underground Week Two. Uh, yes, to the dinge and sweat we return. <laughs> it's so not my thing, um, but I might be able to get into it. If it weren't for 60 cuts in 30 seconds, <laughs> I am not kidding. Like, again, the pace the camera's telling is not the pace of the story they're recording. Like, I shouldn't have to blink to readjust my focus because you're cutting so insanely often. Like, the, like for me, the cuts completely undermine the, the underground feel, too. Like, why would a dingy warehouse being used to host a blood sport have so many cameras to cut between. Like, they've nailed the aesthetic and the lighting. Like, the on-set stuff, like, blah. Like, they've really nailed it, what they're going for. But the camera work is horrendous <laughs> and makes the entire thing borderline unwatchable for me. It's that they're cutting so damn fast and I legitimately have to either pause it or just blink to get my focus back so I can follow it again. Um, like, Riddick Moss beats the first guy. Yeah, in terms of content. <laughs> Riddick Moss beats the first guy, but... I don't care. Uh, like, I'm honestly just waiting this out to see if it exists after four weeks. We're two weeks in. So it's not the fourth week, it's week five does it exist. Like, if recent passes don't need to go by, it won't. They've taken a big swing, put in like, a load of stuff behind this, but we'll see how long it goes. Again, if it builds a specific guy, which it might be doing... To give us like legit stars or kind of reinvent other, I can't speak to reinvigorate others, then yeah, uh, it's done its job. That's fine. It did something. It had a bonus. It had a reason for existing. Uh, but if it's like we've seen from week one to week two, where what happened in the underground then had no bearing on the return to the performance center and the main roster, then what is it all for? <laughs> is it not just a waste of time? Yeah. Anyway, next up, to swing into happiness, we've got Asuka versus Bailey, who is uh, the champion joined by the other champion in Sasha Banks. Um, another damn entertaining encounter between the women in this feud. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the best way to review this. It's another match in this feud, and yet again, it was to the exact same entertaining level. So, my big recommendation, if you're going to watch any match from Raw this week, this is my match of the night. Uh, there were more light issues during it as Bailey tried to control Asuka. Again, making it normal that the lights were flickering so that when it happens in the main event, you're not like, oh, what's this? If it feels a bit weird. Like, it felt a bit weird, but that's more the editing. The thing happening didn't feel out of context, so it did its job with that. 
Uh, as I was previously saying, though, this week they threw a cinder block through a window and then t- overturned a car. Uh, so, why are the lights flickering? <laughs> they did nothing this week. <laughs> it flowed on from last week, as in, but they weren't doing anything this week to cause any problems. So, is the fire still going a week later? Uh, they didn't give an update like that. <laughs> and the only update we got is Retribution that said they'll be here tonight. Uh, anyway, so those nice issues were happening during the match. Uh, the uh, Smackers champion ha- has really grown into like the like running general kind of thing in her matches. Uh, like even the Empress isn't immune to that flow now. Like the hopeful contender forced to fight back in and reverse Bailey's attempts at dominating. That like, Asuka able to counter into the match more and more as it progressed. Uh, the best of the match possibly going in terms of counters, possibly going to Bailey though. After Asuka attempted a high kick, she caught the leg and fell into a knee bar. Like, smooth and awesome. And like, uh, giving something to, for Bailey to target with some, with a tad more viciousness in her offence. Like, even Sasha getting another fun and smashing the knee onto the apron. Uh, the transitions in this were also so damn smooth. Like, especially as they reverse each other's holds into submissions of their own towards the end. Uh, leading to a constant back and forth until Bailey mocks Kyrie Sane. Miming the stomps and the spyglass. Uh, and Asuka burst out from the corner and rolled her into the Asuka lock. Asuka wins. And she's the new number one contender. And one step closer to winning back the Raw Women's Championship. Again, match of the night. Really enjoy this. So, so smooth and food. Asuka's got chemistry with everybody. Uh, Bailey also kicking ass. I feel like she doesn't get as enough plaudits. Like, Asuka and Sasha Banks, understandably, getting lots of plaudits. But for me... Equally, Bailey's up there. I've really, really enjoyed her work over this course of this lockdown, uh, both as a character and in ring. And this was another example of that. I mean, Sasuke will get all the plaudits. I just want to make... For me, I feel like both of them deserve it. <laughs> a fantastic match from both of them. And now we head into SummerSlam. Uh, and it's also the reverse of what Bailey was doing with, with Sasha Banks back in the, I guess, a little while ago. How long ago was that? Times of Vortex now. <laughs> but Bailey's done that in the past where uh, she would say, well, you can challenge me if you beat Sasha. And Sasha's like, wait, what? And this is the reverse of that. Sasha's saying, ask her, you can challenge me if you beat Bailey. And Bailey's like, uh. <laughs> and then gets beaten. So, again, nice little continuity. Seth Rollins isn't wrong. They are doing some long-term storytelling. Issue again being some. <laughs> it's not across the board. Uh, Raw Underground, week two. Part 2. Got to stop pointing at the camera after I say a uh, headline. Arturo <laughs> uh, Ruas finally gets a look in after years in NXT. I mean, at least I think it's years. Uh, I think he does like the Capoeira uh, kicks and things which he brought into this here. That's what it's come, He's come out in NXT, he's done that. He'll, he'll wear his belt, whatever belt he is in the um, discipline. And then he'll do some Capoeira and then lose I think he was just a jobber <laughs> but he's here with a main roster kind of spot here in the more I guess semi shoot style here yeah the Brazilian makes easy work of his opponent uh, which seems to be a theme with underground you're showcasing a dude that can actually fight just don't think about what that means for the rest of the show like wait the other stuff isn't fights I was like no no don't, don't think about it yeah after the break we're still with Raw Underground as Debo Cato is back the big lad from last week uh, the massive lad destroys another poor little guy. Um, afterwards, Shayna Baszler steps in. Like, oh, we're getting uh, Shayna versus... Uh, and no. Uh, <laughs> after that, Shane gives her a fight. Nobody accepts, so she goes out and picks a poor lass herself. Uh, before she knows it, she's taking out women one by one like it's an 80s action flick. Eventually choking one of them out. I said that so poshly. Choking. <laughs> Eventually choking... <laughs> God, I just coughed over that. Eventually choking one of them out for Shane to declare her the winner. Um, you see online that one of them was some a some person with genuine MMA experience. But as I don't follow MMA, it's not my thing, I gave it a go. Uh, I don't know who she is. <laughs> or which one, because there are three people. Uh, after that, we, again, I don't really care for Underground. It does nothing for me. If it does you, then great. I understand UFC is a much bigger thing in America. Um... But I'm a bit... It's, it's the dangers of Enochiism. <laughs> Warning that the UFC fans, on the whole, don't want to watch WWE. WWE fans, on the whole, don't want to watch UFC. 
it's a dangerous mix. And personally, Bloodsport, the like promotion with by, first by Matt Middle, then by Josh What's His Face. <laughs> Those uh, like odd odd one night shows, it really works for that. But to try and make it a consistent part of your show, especially with wrestling, when you're also then switching to your wrestling match after you've gone, this is legit shoot fighting. So, well, what's the other stuff then? Hmm. And I've talked about the main event. But before that, we got the we cut to the commentators who got interrupted by the camera cutting to Retribution who were outside jumping about next to an upturned car, and then they scuttle away. It, it's a it's an odd one. Yeah, they're just going around doing random stuff, and like personally, I guess the main thing is it's, it's things happening, which kind of felt, that's what I felt about with the show last week, where it was things happening which didn't really have much of a kind of tie to. And really the only thing that de- things that definitely followed on from that this week were like Raw Underground, same feeling as last week, uh, just with some improvements. That doesn't mean I'm enjoying it. It still does nothing for me. Uh, but I just want to at least acknowledge there weren't any dancing women this week. Uh, but with Retribution, they did such low-key stuff. Like last week, there was a Molotov thrown at a power generator. It's like, oh, like directly disrupting the show. This week, a cinder block through a window that had already been smashed and seemingly replaced with sugar glass. <laughs> Keep it kayfabe. They smashed a glass window that had already just been smashed in Extreme Rules. So either that's some like some deep stuff, <laughs> some methodical thinking, or it's just weird. Uh, also, was the upturned car, and that was it. That's all they did all week. Uh, sorry, all night on the show. It's just yeah, it felt so low key after last week. It didn't really do anything for me. In terms of making the group feel dangerous or have a mission, they're, they're causing anarchy seemingly without much direction as to why and what their aim is. Like last week, like you, you built from the power generator to then on SmackDown, they enter the arena, they're there, and they get a chainsaw out, you get an interesting visual, you get awful camera work, <laughs> but you get the visual of the chainsaw. Like they like flat out like such interruption directly with the product. But both things they did on Raw had like no direct effect like with the product. They didn't. They were just there doing stuff. And there's like no direct character we can gain sympathy for. So we're just seeing anarchists do stuff with no emotional tie. <laughs> so it's a, like the only way of an emotional tie is if you have that that bond with the WWE itself, which. Most people don't. <laughs> you need a character to get attached to rather than a business entity. <laughs> I guess we're not all like that. Now, the example I was going to use was Robot Andrew Wilson, but uh, yeah, non gamers <laughs> won't care about that reference. Anyway, with that done, I am sweating so much. And I'm just going to check the final stuff that everything's good for me to sign off. I'm pretty certain it is. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. That's a raw review. What did you make of the show this week? Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at the damn implicat. You can uh, go to lotsofpain.net and do all the comments and things that I try and normally check the Facebook post as well. If you're somebody more inclined to Facebook post on this, uh, I've just not checked it before going live today. And again, the gambling game. Is there a comment on there? <laughs> for me uh, uh, just kind of just sassily going after that oh you, uh, you're oh how awful is this site you've put pun instead of punt oh how awful oh I scoff at you <laughs> so expecting a comment like that I've not checked yet so um, I want to see how clairvoyant I am anyway uh, I've got busy times ahead of me recording stuff for SummerSlam I just need to bloody remember when SummerSlam is <laughs> to book Aftershock um, he said one week from Sunday so I can work off that uh, anyway, on Thursday, I need to double check, but I'm pretty certain I'll be joined by James Boyd once again to go through NXT on the uh, NLP Radio NXT Review. And uh, also live after AEW Dynamite is our post-AEW show, Dynamite After Dark with Jamin and Jeff. Uh, Fridays, uh, exclusively on the Podcast Network, we've got Ms. Fan and Mystic with WWF The Legacy Series, an unabridged look over the history of the now WWE with the journey of the WWF. Also, we've got uh, quick and painless podcast and all night long wrestling podcast whose latest thing was an interview with Amy Rose from Ring of Honor and uh, on Mondays now we've got the Maple Leaf History podcast pretty certain I've nailed the name that time I need I should just write it into my notes <laughs> I don't know why I've not done that uh, which the latest episode has already got up on Monday uh, so I just need to post that on the Laws of Pain site itself 
to wait for some promotional material to come through. Everybody's <laughs> <he's> listening. <laughs> promotional material. That's <laughs> how so I can post it up. Uh, for all I know, he's done it. I've just been busy doing this show. Uh, anyway, also Kingdom of Honor, which are currently going through New Japan Summer Struggle as it's airing. So if you want some New Japan coverage, check out Kingdom of Honor. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, what do you think of Raw this week? Uh, what do you think of that angle with Ric Flair, with Randy Orton? Did it work for you like it did for me? Is Underground your thing? Is it ticking any boxes compared to uh, like it is for me as well? Uh, and I guess the other thing that I've seen a bit of contention in, Dominic Mysterio. Uh, what are your opinions on his run so far, on his performances? Personally, I've been impressed with him every step of the way. And like, to, for him to show the amount of talent he seemingly is at his age, like it's both a congratulations to WWE in terms of how they're booking him and to him himself to stepping up to the plate, seemingly, as they give him a little bit more to test and do, and he's stepping up every single time. Some of them seems to be a massive jump, but they're obviously trusting somebody like Seth Rollins to get a match out of him, which uh, I totally would. <laughs> the man's, like, I feel like if you're going to entrust anybody to get a good match out of, a, I guess, a rookie such as Dominic, uh, I, I trust Seth Rollins to do it all the way. Uh, anyway... I am going to turn off these big lights. <laughs> so that you won't be able to tell with my image because my crappy laptop webcam that I've got so many lights on just to get it to that level. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so thank you for listening. I will be back on Thursday with an HC review. Uh, with that, I say thank you for listening and I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.